welcome back to our teaching in the book of Exodus. Now, the last time we were here in chapter 12, and remember, we're doing a series. It'll probably be three videos that we'll do for chapter 12 in all. But the last time we were here in chapter 12, we were looking at God's instruction to Moses to give to the Israelite people in preparing for the final plague that is to come upon Egypt, which is the death of the firstborn. And, and there we saw the institution of the Passover celebration. Sometimes you'll see it in scripture called the Feast of Passover, which basically the idea is it was an ordinance, a commandment of God, given that, that the people should observe on a yearly basis. And the people would observe this as a congregation in their homes. And later on, once they build the temple, there would also be an observance on a national, for a national observance that will come about in the temple, but that is years to come. But here God is simply given the instructions to Moses to give to the people for this particular observance of the sacrifice, the killing of the lamb and the usage of the shed blood of the lamb to be placed upon the doorpost as well as the top of the door, which is called the lintel of the door so that when death comes through all of the land of Egypt, God himself will pass by the Hebrew Israelites, which this placing of the blood upon the door is nothing more, not only just uh, obedience to the commandment of God, but also serves as a sign of faith. So the Passover was instituted and we also spoke of how all of these things relate to Christ and how he is indeed the fulfillment of the Passover lamb and that it was by his shed blood that death passes over all who believes in his efficacy. That is his giving of his life, death, resurrection, that thing concerning Christ, believing in Jesus, how that he fulfills, he is the consummate Passover lamb that if we should believe in him, death should also pass us by. And we spoke of death, not as meaning of death in the uh, non-existence of our physical body, but as of the separation from God, eternal separation. But anyway, go back and look at that teaching because at this time I can't go through all the, all of the particular specifics that we taught in how Jesus fulfilled the lamb of God of Exodus chapter 12. But nevertheless, so now we are going to continue because with the Passover institution, and sometimes you, again, you hear me call it the feast of the Passover and an ordinance that they were commanded to observe also closely related to the Passover would be the feast of unleavened bread. And you'll find out that as we move throughout scriptures, especially when you get into new Testament time, the feast of Passover and unleavened bread were usually celebrated as one. And the term was used interchangeably for both. So whether you were talking about, if you say the Passover, the idea, New Testament times, you were referred to Passover as well as observing the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which will be a seven day feast, or whether you would call it the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you were referred to Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the terms were used interchangeably and because they followed one on top of another, one right behind another, they were often observed basically as one particular time. Okay. All right. 
So now we're continuing with God's instruction to Moses to give to the people of Israel concerning the feast of unleavened bread. So we'll start at verse number 14. Now this day will be a memorial to you and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your, from your houses for whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Okay, so now, reverse number 14, we are moving into another observance, which they refer to as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this is nothing more than a seven-day observance of a particular ritual. And this ritual involved the removance of leaven from all of the household of the Israelite people for seven days. And this was also commanded to be a memorial. So therefore what we see is as a memorial, this is something that God is instituting so that you will remember what God is doing or remember a particular uh, occasion that has taken place. And that's why it's called a memorial. So this is a ritual memorial that they are to observe for seven days to remember what God had done in Egypt. That is speaking as a whole, striking Egypt with all of the plagues that resulted in the death of the firstborn, the final plague resulting in their being released from slavery of to Egypt, being released from slavery of Egypt on a particular day. And that's what we're going to get into later on in this text. All of this bills, everything that God has done consummating to the great strike of the death of the firstborn that will result in their release on a particular day, which will be the 15th of Aviv. And remember Aviv or Nisan, that is the first month. And this is the religious calendar that we're referring to the 15th of Aviv or Nisan, which on that day they will leave and depart from Egypt. Okay. So that's the idea. So this is to be an ordinance that is to be observed perpetually from generation to generation. And so he sets out the ordinance about the seven days of unleavened bread. No leaven is to be eaten. That is no bread that, that is to have yeast in the bread. And now go back and look at the previous video that we did on the Passover, because also in observing the ritual of the Passover, when they ate bread, no bread was to be eaten unleavened. I'm sorry, leavened bread. That is bread that has yeast was to be eaten simply because yeast is a spiritual indication of pride and sin. So therefore, no leaven is to be eaten. So in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we have a seven-day ritual that no yeast is to be eaten in their bread. No yeast is to be found in the Jewish household at all. So in preparation for Passover slash Unleavened Bread, remember what we said about how they will be observed basically as one. So in preparation for this festive times, or you can say these festive times, 
the woman, the, the, the woman of the house would be responsible because usually she did all the cooking for the removing of any, any yeast, all yeast from the house so that no yeast would be found within the household for seven days. So we see that like the Passover was a household family observation. Also, the unleavened bread would have a sense of family household uh, observation because the houses would be cleared of leaven. But we will find also for the feast un of unleavened bread, this will be a congregational assembly. I'll talk about that when we get into the other verses. OK, but now just let me simply say that this observance is a family household of removing of leaven. Then it says at the end of verse number 15 that any any house or any person that eats leaven shall be cut off from Israel. Now, there are a lot of things that can be said about this, and there is a sense of ambiguity uh, that is unknown exactly what God is trying to say. And I think that is kind of the intent. OK, this is what I mean by cut off. Uh, the idea, what does it mean exactly? It is not specified. God did not specify what he literally meant uh, uh, by the exactness of what is to be done. That is whether such a person, this is inclusive of that idea, should be cut off from the fellowship of, of Israelite, of the Israelite community, the fellowship of the benefit of Israelite community, or whether such an individual should be penalized by the Israelite community in some way. Whether that person, the, the meaning and what I'm explaining is what is God meaning by shall be cut off. That is whether the Israelite community finding out that such an individual has leaven, has partaken of something with leaven. They should act against this individual to cut them off, to penalize them in some way. Such penalty can even result unto death. Is this what this means? Or. Does this mean that God himself would visit some sort of divine judgment upon the individual if the person eats leaven? So my point, it is somewhat ambiguous what God means. All of it could be inclusive. But what seems to be the gist of what God is saying is if a person eats unleavened bread during this particular time, these seven days, this individual would be subject to divine punishment from God himself. And that seems to be the idea of the text, that this is a threatening text from God, that if you eat leaven during this time, God himself would visit upon you some form of divine punishment, which can ultimately be, it can even be the death of that individual. That seemed to be the understanding. But anyway, so before we even move on, let's talk about unleavened bread. What is it all about? The feast of un or the feast or the observance of unleavened bread is a responsive feast. That is OK. You have to consider all of these things. And remember now, there are spiritual overtones to all of these rich rites, customs and rituals 
that God is commanding the people to observe. There are, there is a spiritual meaning behind it. So the idea is, remember, it all stems, it is predicated upon the Passover because the Passover or the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians, okay? That's the great final plague that will result in the deliverance of the, of the Israelite people. So what happens? What does God say to do? For them, because death is coming. That's the idea. Take the lamb, sacrifice the lamb, apply the blood as God has commanded. All right. This speaks of deliverance from death. So that's the idea of Passover deliverance from death. Notice immediately following the Passover observance is what? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Passover is the 14th of Nisan, Aviv, Nisan, same month. The 15th to the 21 is Unleavened Bread. So immediately following that and such an observance, that is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is an observance for seven days. So the idea speaks of Unleavened Bread. It is a responsive feast, that is, Based upon what God has done for you. What did God do? He delivered you. Death passed you by. Therefore, respond to God with unleavened bread. Remember, unleavened deals with sinlessness. That is, respond to God's act of your deliverance by living before him in holiness without sin. That's why we call the Feast of Unleavened Bread a responsive feast because the individual or even collectively for Israel, for the Hebrew people, they are to respond to God's deliverance of them from death with holy living. And because it is a feast of seven days, the spiritual insight of seven days, seven always symbolizes completion or for a lifetime. That's basically the idea forever, forever completion of a thing or the foreverness of a thing. So what is the, what is the full idea that it, the spiritual idea respond to God's deliverance, great deliverance from death. And it is a great deliverance. And I'll talk a little about that and then we'll move on. Respond to that great deliverance that only God can accomplish for you by living before him for the rest of your life in holiness without sin. This speaks of Jesus Christ, because remember the whole point of all of these events speaks ultimately of what Christ has done. And it should be quite evident. Respond to what God has done for you. Only what God can do, what God taking on the person of Jesus Christ, taking upon flesh himself, going to the cross, by his death, being the lamb of God, delivering you from death, eternal separation from God, respond for what Jesus has done for you by living in holiness before God. And this is what Paul was talking about in first Corinthians chapter five, I think verse number seven, when he speaks of the totality of both the feast of Passover and feast of unleavened bread as he applies both Passover 
and unleavened bread to Jesus and what he has done. Jesus, our sacrifice, our Passover lamb, and that he was saying to the Corinthians that they should live lives of unleavened bread. That is lives of spiritual purity, lives without sin. Respond to what Jesus has done, his death, his burial, resurrection. Respond to that with holy living. All of this goes back to principle four. Again, let me say this. Let me just make it a quick aside. It's going to be quick. This goes to principle form. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. We do not obey that to be saved. We are saved totality completely because we believe what Jesus has done. We are saved by faith. We are saved by believing something. Believing what? I believe that Jesus is God, the son of God made flesh. And why is this crucial? And this is one of the whole points of the gospel of John. Why is this crucial? Because only God can save. We learned that from the garden of Eden itself. When mankind, when Adam had sinned and Adam tried to cover his sins with fig leaves, Adam tried to cover his sins with his own hands by what he did. That was unacceptable. What happened? What did God do? God came down himself and God himself made clothing for Adam. And how did he make those clothing? From the skin of an animal. How could he acquire the skin from that animal? God had to kill it. So therefore we see early on in the book of Genesis, the implication that sin can only be covered by a work of God and sin can only be covered by the shedding of blood. We see that early. Only God himself can do these things. But anyway, so I won't get too far off. So this is something that we need to see concerning Jesus. Only Jesus Form of God, taking flesh. This is the book of Philippians. This is what Paul teaches in the Colossians. This is what the whole gospel of John teaches. God can only save. He does this by the second person of the divine trinity, taking form of man, willingly offering himself on the cross, dying, resurrecting from the dead on that third day, now seated at the right hand of God. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And you say, I believe that it is at that moment you are saved. Now that you are saved, because there was nothing you did to be saved. How shall you live the feast of unleavened bread? Respond to what God has done in sending that lamb, sacrificing that lamb for your sins. Respond with living a life for the rest of your days in holiness without sin. And that's how the Feast of Unleavened Bread pertains to Christ, pertains to us. Okay. Now, with all of that, it makes the rest of this fairly easy as we simply look at the custom and the rites that they were to observe in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. So now let's go on to verse number 16. On the first day, you shall have a holy, holy assembly and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all should be done on them. 
except what must be eaten by every person that alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread for on this very day, I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. Okay. Let's just talk about that. So I don't just go to too many verses. Verse number 16 allows us to see that this, this unlike Passover. Now we know ultimately because I said what later on through time, they will bring them all together in one. Okay. They would celebrate Passover unleavened bread basically as one. But what we see about unleavened bread is it is a holy assembly. That is God is commanding all. And later on, we're going to see more explicitly that God will command all of his people at the place that God would designate for his name, set aside for his name, which would mean where the tabernacle, which will be erected later on, where the permanent dwelling of the temple. Remember the tabernacle is a place of tents. First it was in Shiloh and it was moved place to place. But later the tabernacle through Solomon would be converted into a temple of God and placed in Jerusalem. This would be the permanent place where God will place his name and the Shekinah glory will be revealed in the most holy place in the temple. And there all of Jewish males, God's people are to assemble themselves. And this is what he means by holy assembly. All of the people shall gather together here. And remember Passover is basically celebrated in homes. Unleavened bread is celebrated in the place where God, the temple of God will be or the tabernacle of God will be. That's what he simply means by holy assembly, a national congregation. Okay. So it would be on the first day and the seventh day. That means on the first day and the seventh day will be high days, high holy days of the feast of unleavened bread. The first day of the feast of unleavened bread and the seventh day will be high days. And all throughout from the first to the seventh day, no work shall be done at all on any of those days except except preparing food to eat. So the only thing that you'll be allowed to do is prepare food to eat. No common labor going to work every day. You don't do that whatsoever. Okay. And then it says why God states that it is because on this very day, which will be the 15th of Aviv 15th. And remember Passover is the 14th. Now this is the 15th. Remember the Passover was observed, was observed on the 14th of Nisan in the evening time, basically at night. And God told them that night, be prepared, have your clothes on, your shoes on, have your traveling staff, have your traveling clothes on, be prepared to leave because you're going to leave out in a hurry. And that's going to be the idea even made here with the feast of unleavened bread, the hurriedness that they will be literally thrust away from the Egyptians. Okay. But again, for it is on the 15th of Aviv, Nisan, that they actually literally departed from Egypt. So it is also commemorated here on the day that they actually began to leave Egypt, the 15th of Aviv or also called Nisan. Okay. Verse number 18 in the first month 
On the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at even evening. Seven days there should be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Okay, so then in verse number 18, all he does is, look, it goes back to the 14th day. Remember, 14th day is the feast of the Passover. And on the Passover, they ate no unleavened bread. So on the Passover, no unleavened bread. And then for seven, seven additional consecutive days, which is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they would eat no unleavened bread. And so he continues to say from morning until the evening of that final 21st date, because remember now from evening to evening is a day. So from that 14th evening, to the 21st evening, no eating of unleavened bread. Whether that person was a Jewish person or whether that person was an alien, that is a foreigner. When it says alien, it simply means a foreigner. No one is to eat unleavened bread at all. And so all he is doing is simply emphasizing the fact that unleavened bread is strictly prohibitive whatsoever. And this is important. And let me give the spiritual note simply because. OK. All right. Let, 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 OK. OK. This gives me an opportunity to make a thing, make a couple of points. Again, how and why are we saved? We are saved by what Jesus did, his death, burial and resurrection because of who he is, the God man who can accomplish our salvation and by him and him alone. Salvation is of the Lord. Okay. Done by him and him alone. So we are not saved again by what we do, but by what we, what we believe. We believe in Jesus. Paul's teaching first Corinthians chapter 15. This is the essence of the gospel whereby we are saved. All right. Therefore, and this is what we do see with the book of all throughout the epistles. We see this, especially in the book of Romans, Romans chapter seven. This is especially where we see it. Shall we sin now because we are no longer under law, but under grace? In other words, since we are not saved and have never been saved ever throughout every generation, since we have never been saved, especially now concerning Christ Jesus by what we do. Does that give us a license or permission to sin? How shall we look at sin since we are not saved by what we do since it is only through Christ as well? The fact, the fact that our salvation is eternally secure. We can never lose our salvation ever. It is eternally secure in Christ. That which Jesus gets, the father gives unto him. What did he say? John chapter six, I lose none, but what will I do? All that the father has given to me, I will raise them up at the last day. And while I'm not going to lose any of them for this is what the father sent me to do. 
never to lose. Our salvation is eternally secure. So therefore, how should we look at sin? Shall we look at sin lightly? Shall we say, well, since I'm saved, not by what I did in the first place, and since I can never lose my salvation in Christ Jesus, I guess it really doesn't matter if I, you know, tell this lie this time, or if I, you know, it's not a big deal. Remember, the whole idea of unleavened bread is living without sin seven days for the rest of your life. What is God doing here? It's a beautiful thing. Was it not clear the first time when he said, don't eat bread, unleavened bread, don't let it be found. Why is God saying it over and over again as if, allow me to say it in a crass way, we dumb and didn't get it the first time. Because God is emphasizing, yes, it is the shed blood of the lamb, Jesus, our Messiah, that delivers you from sin. Nothing that you did, but do not look at sin lightly. Do not look and say to yourself, it's okay if I sin. No leaven in your houses, no sin in your life, no sin in your life. Again, what is the feast of unleavened bread? It is a responsive feast now or since Jesus has died for your sins, respond with holy and righteous living. Live right, live right, live right. You don't live right to get saved. You live right because you are saved. You live right because of what Jesus has done for you. You live right because you're saying to God, Thank you for sending your son to do what I could not do to shed his wonderful divine blood, something that should be commemorated for all eternity to remember what Jesus has done. That's why Paul said in the book of Philippians, because Jesus has done this, when the name of Jesus will be spoken, every knee shall bow things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, no matter what it is, because Jesus has done this great sacrifice. Let every knee praise his name to the fullest. The offering of Jesus was the greatest offering ever. That's why we said the offering or the feast of the Passover is the key feast, principal feast, most important one of all of them from which all of the rest of them stem from the feast of deliverance. But anyway, the whole point that I'm trying to stress is why is God saying it over and over and over? No living, no living, no living, because it is important. You can't save yourself by what you do, but respond to what God has done by living holy, living righteously. And so that is why. And always remember this, Christians, you don't live right to be saved. You live right because you already have been saved. You're responding to the grace of God. And this was Paul's teaching also in the book of 2 Corinthians. But basically this was Paul's principal teaching everywhere. Okay, but anyway, so let us finish this thing. Verse number 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take... Uh, a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood, which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts 
and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Okay. Now we're going to stop there. So let me just explain the rest of it. Now, verse number 21 begin all the while from the very beginning of chapter 12 till we get to verse number 21. This is God's instruction to Moses about how telling Moses to tell the children of Israel what to do to observe the Passover feast and what to do to observe the feast of unleavened bread. This was God talking to Moses. Now that conversation between God and Moses is over and Moses has called all the elders because remember the elders, the leaders of the people, the heads of the families, and then they will begin to tell their family members. Okay. So he calls the elders of the people and gives them the instructions that God has told him. And these are the instructions on number. He goes all the way back because remember we're talking about Passover and unleavened bread. He goes all the way back to the Passover because he hadn't told them about the Passover yet to about taking the lamb, the how old the lamb is to be and all of those things concerning the lamb. OK, to take the lamb and then what to do with the blood, how that the blood should be captured once they kill the lamb. Take the They take the knife, slit the throat of the lamb, have a basin and catch the blood. And what they would do with this hyssop and the hyssop was nothing, nothing more than a plant, like a bush, a bush, a plant that grew, uh, that grew uh, uh, in Israel or in, in the desert, a desert plant. It was a bushy plant and they were to take that bushy plant and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and take it and put it on the side doors and then the top door. And he was just simply letting him, you play, you take the blood there. And of course, Everything else that he told him about the Passover lamb, this is the assumption. He gave them the rest of the instructions. But the point is, and in applying the blood to the doorpost, remember, not at the bottom, side and top, when the Lord passed with the destroying angel. Now, the Lord, the scripture did not uh, tell us who the destroying was, whether this was the pre-incarnate son of God. But I don't think so. Uh, uh, that because. Okay. I opened the door. So let me just simply say it. Don't hold my feet to the fire to go into all of the proof text. But because I said it, let me just always remember whenever you see any type of manifestation of God in the Old Testament, this is the second person of the Trinity. That is, this is Jesus. This is why we call it pre-incarnate. Pre meaning before incarnate means flesh before he took flesh as Jesus son of uh, Mary and, and adoptive son of Joseph before he came in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. Remember, he existed as God, John one and one. He always was simply God. And as God, he could take fleshly form. So when you would see these fleshly visitations, say, for instance, he wrestled with Jacob or say, for instance, he would come and visit Abraham and have a conversation with Abraham about what he's with two angels. I think that's Genesis chapter 18 about what he's going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. So when you will see these physical manifestations of God, it is always Jesus and not God the father. Why? Because John chapter one says no man 
has ever seen God referring to God, the father, because who is he talking about? John chapter one, Jesus. And it is Jesus who has exegeted, made God, the father known to mankind. Okay. So the whole point is God, this is Jesus. All right. All right. Enough of that. All right. So where was I again? Um, He was given instructions to the elders of Israel concerning the lamb. And then he is simply telling them that God is going to see the blood of the lamb and pass them by. All right. So now we're going to stop right there. Next time we come back, we're going to actually get into the events that will lead to the actual striking. That is the 10th plague, the striking of the firstborn of Egypt the deliverance of the children of Israel, their departure from the land of Egypt and the actuality of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is, remember what God said about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It will be this day that I will actually lead you out of the land of Egypt, okay? All right, thanks for joining me with that, guys. See you next time.